0: It is a Football Friday, Week 7 edition, and might this be the week Buddha Baker returns? Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Zach Gershman joins me. Buddha doesn't miss a lot of games, but he has missed plenty this season. He's certainly not going to miss a chance to play against the Seahawks, his hometown team, right? His return, when it happens, will be a boost and not just to the defense. Plus, we go into enemy territory and visit with John Boyle, senior reporter for Seahawks.com. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 688, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buddha Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half a five. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Wow. Here's Craig Grealou. So I haven't had a chance to speak to you, Zach, since actually I take that back. When we left the office Thursday late afternoon, I did see you all bit briefly, though you quickly packed up your laptop and exited the building after certain something happened downtown at Chase Field. What happened? Patel Marte, walk-off, bottom of the ninth. Yeah, we Gold got a fish se- memory. We got we got a series now, Zach. Yeah, that's exactly what
1: you said to me. We got a goldfish memory. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? I have said, everybody in throughout the Arizona media that's come to various different Cardinals press conferences, I have said, and I wear my my badge I wear my Philadelphia Pride as like a badge of honor. Very few are able to to withstand you know, what Philadelphia brings to the table. I take that with a the, with the badge of honor, obviously. And a lot of people have come up to me saying, get ready for this series. We spoke about it last week on yep. Cover 2. And listen, I've said Game 3 is going to be the one that the Phillies lose, but they're going to win in 5. So you know what that means. By this time next week, <laughs> the Philadelphia Phillies are going to have a spot in the World Series. And li- like, listen, I will say this. For everyone that's been giving the Arizona Diamondbacks fans some slack for you know, the crowd or whatever, completely disagree. I thought they had an incredible fan base out at Thursday's game. I'm excited for Friday's game because I'll be there. So it'll be one more Philly guy in the stands. But I thought that, yes, the Philadelphia atmosphere at Citizens Bank Park is one of the best in MLB. Don't get me wrong. I think anybody with a bias or without a bias would, would agree with that. But I thought the Diamondbacks looked incredible at Chase Field.
0: 47,000-plus there on Thursday afternoon. Diamondbacks get the win, 2-1. to one. Series now reads 2-1 in favor of the Phillies with Game 4 on Friday, Game 5 on Saturday, and then I guess we'll see what happens after that. We have to start turning cover two
1: to like <laughs> turn two at this point, or, or second base. Literally, if we're going to keep going with the twos, got to do something along those lines with the way we've been starting these podcasts.
0: Well, we'll see what happens one week from today. When we're going into the Baltimore Ravens game and what happens between the two of us. One of us will be looking for
1: (laughs) World Series tickets. The other one will be looking for flights to go to a World (laughs) Series
0: game. (laughs) Calling your shots here on a Friday. All right. We're going to Texas somehow, some way. Well, that's true. The winner is headed to Texas, regardless of whether it's the Astros or the Rangers. So you got that that going for you. That's true. All right. Let's turn our attention because we do talk football here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals and the Cardinals for the second straight week on the road and for the second straight week on the road against a division opponent. They play at the Seahawks on Sunday. 105 is the kickoff. 8.30 pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. Lumen Field is the place, and you talk about great atmospheres. Now, Cardinals have had a great history of winning in Seattle. Nine wins since 2012. That's a lot. In Mm -hmm. fact, more than any other opponent going to Seattle. But this is a brand-new coaching staff. Much of the roster is brand new. Josh Dobbs earlier this week said he had never played in Seattle, so and that is different. Now, the good news for the Cardinals is we're talking about October. Weather should be decent. It's when you get to November and December that things can get a little hectic, especially a late afternoon as the game and the afternoon progresses. Yeah,
1: that's when it starts getting yucky as it gets later on into that's the That's a good year. word for that's it. That's a good term. Thank you. I, I'm a journalist. Uh, no, I, I do think, though, that it's going to be an exciting one. Obviously, as you mentioned, Craig, the Cardinals have kind of had the Seahawks number there in Seattle, and whether that's because of Buda Baker coming in with that hometown flair and he just comes in with that energy or whatever it might be, the Cardinals have had a lot of success out there in the, in the Pacific Northwest. So. This is the time you need to start turning things around. If you want to start turning things around, this is the type of game to do it. A divisional opponent, a divisional rival, it should definitely be a good one on Sunday.
0: Cardinals 1-5, Seahawks 3-2. and two, A little bit later on, we will head to the Pacific Northwest and speak with John Boyle, senior reporter for Seahawks.com. But you brought up Buda Baker, and let's touch on him. As we speak here on this Friday, and head coach Jonathan Gannon recently addressed the media and mention the same thing that Buddha did the day before. Game day decision as far as whether Buddha Baker plays or not. He's been dealing with that hamstring injury, has been limited in practice this week, but I am on record, and I'll say it again here on Friday. I fully expect to see number three on the football field. One, Buddha just doesn't miss a lot of games, and these five games that he has missed match the total that he has missed in his career. Plus, it's Seattle. That's his hometown team, the Seahawks. I just don't see. Plus, seeing Buddha on the practice field this week, he looks good. I mean, he's moving around great. And now you just hope that from now until game day, 90 minutes before kickoff, that Buddha's okay. No set setbacks or anything like that, and he's ready to return. Well, what do we see him be activated to the active That's roster true. on Saturday? So if he were if he were, he's already designated for his
1: return, his twenty one day practice windows open. If they do elevate him to the fifty three, we should know about that the day before and we'll kind of have it a better idea, even though we're both in the same boat there. I do think Buda Baker does come back. He said that mentally. He's he's it's been tough being on the sidelines, not being able to be with his teammates, but He's been that positive leader in the locker room. I was listening back to press conferences from JG back in training camp when he was talking about the type of leadership skills that Buda Baker brings to the table from just his personality and how he's able to, we know the type of talent he is, the fact he's able to lift people up just through his personal skills and through his people skills and how he's been able to take that from the locker room and put it out onto the field and help those guys out. It's definitely, it's it's trademark Buddha. He's one of the nicest guys in this facility, always walking around with a smile. After the press conference, he was in the open locker room and he was still talking to media members. That's just the type of guy Buddha is. And knowing that Seattle is home, this is like the storybook return for Buddha Baker, and hopefully the
0: storybook come around for the Arizona Cardinals as they look to bounce back. Defensive coordinator Nick Rallis called Buddha an eliminator meaning he eliminates mistakes on the field. And the Cardinals' defense has made a number of mistakes since Spuda's been out as far as the chunk plays in that secondary. And then an eliminator as far as he's always around the football. And that's the one thing the Seahawks do very, very well, and that is protect the football. Only three turnovers, so they're all interceptions. Two of them happened last week against the Bengals. So, And that's the other thing. This Cardinals' defense hasn't had their hands on a lot of football. In fact, this one pass defensed in the past three games. It was Kavon's interception. Exactly. Right? So that's, as you make sure you bring up, someone who has Philly ties, at least somewhat Philly somewhat. ties. Somewhat. Okay, he played in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. And that's something that if you hope to win on the road and quiet a hostile crowd, you need a couple of takeaways. You need to take that ball away and make sure your offense, with Josh Dobbs on the field, I'm not expecting Kyler Murray to be QB1 this he week. He won't be. So you need some sustained drives, and instead of settling field goals as they did a week ago in L.A., you're getting touchdowns. To, to go back
1: to Buda, though, for a little bit, we, we've talked week after week about the second half collapses, for lack of a better term, that this defense has had. And you question, what would it be like if Buda was out there on the defense? When you see the defense reeling and you see the opponent starting to come back Normally, that's prime Buda Baker and how he steps in, rallies the troops together. He's that heart and soul, the emotional leader on that defensive side of the ball. And for a defense that has struggled tremendously in that second half, 98 to 30, that second half score over these six games, it's not gone in the Cardinals' favor. And when they played the Washington Commanders in week one, the only game that Buda Baker has been out on the field so far, it was, a lo- it was the lowest scoring game, I believe, for the opponent that the Cardinals have had since Uh, the season has began and a big part of that is because of what Buda Baker brings to the table so having that that asset and that emotional leader both talent wise and leadership wise on the field that's huge now Josh Dobbs Kyler Murray is not going to be playing in this game for any fans that have believed that that's going to be the case it's unrealistic and in general Jonathan Gannon has already said that Josh Dobbs is preparing to be the starter and he's confident he's going to go into Seattle and perform well. And his why he said that is because that's the type of player, the type of person that Josh Dobbs is. We know he's not been satisfied with the previous two weeks. This is for Josh Dobbs. This was going to be another big challenge. Obviously, week three and week four, that's when we saw Josh Dobbs and people started saying, could this guy have one of the 32 spots in the NFL as being a starting NFL quarterback? Obviously the last two weeks have not they've kind of dispelled those rumors a little bit, but this is the chance for Josh Dobbs to really turn it around and Jonathan Gannon's confident he will.
0: Five turnovers and a completion percentage of less than fifty percent over the past two weeks for yeah, Josh not Dobbs. Good. No, it is not good at all.
1: And after back to back weeks of week three and week four, 100 plus passer rating percentage in this one for the week five and week six, less than sixty. So definitely has been a tail of two weeks. In that case,
0: a couple other injury items. Antonio Hamilton dealing with a groin injury. He has not practiced this week. Jalen Thompson, a hamstring issue. Not sure about his availability yet for this week. But then you've got Garrett Williams, who, much like Buda Baker, we will get a sense on whether Williams is up this week or not. On Saturday, because that's when they would have to make the decision to add him to the active roster. He does still have until next Wednesday Mm -hmm. before the Cardinals have to make a decision on whether you remain him, keep him on NFI or you add him to the roster. So that would certainly help the secondary, not only a Buda Baker return, but seeing Garrett Williams on the football field. And Garrett Williams has looked good throughout practices. The coaching staff spoken very highly
1: of him, saying that he's been doing really well in this recovery process, but still he has yet to take a live NFL snap yet. So they're trying to slow play that process with him. Going back to the injury front, um, I know we talked. We 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 left out Zach Paschal there as one of those that did not practice. And on the offensive side of the ball, and I'm sure we'll get to Elijah Wilkinson in a little bit. He he also did not practice with a neck injury on Thursday. But Zach Paschal had his season high in, in uh, offensive snaps at 11. As did Greg Dortch. I'm not sure what it's the case necessarily or why that was the case against the Los Angeles Rams. But to know that he's starting to progress and then this entire week so far on Wednesday and Thursday, Friday's practice report, we have yet to get onto the field yet, so we haven't seen. But for Zach Paschal to lose those or not be participating in those two practices, that's kind of big, I think.
0: Greg Dortch had only played two offensive snaps before Los Angeles, in which he had his best snap count Mm -hmm. of the season. So what they do if – Zach is unable to go. And then you bring up Elijah Wilkinson, your starting left guard, although the last couple of weeks, in fact, I believe it started in week two, maybe week three, when we saw Tristan Colon come in at left guard. But now since Dennis Daly has been added to the active roster after IR, we've seen Daly play a little left guard. So with Wilkinson dealing with a neck issue, much like Zach Paschal, depending upon his availability – is it more of a rotation, or do we see Dennis Daly plugged in at starting left guard? I don't think well, if,
1: if if Elijah Wilkinson does play, then obviously you keep him at your starting left guard. But to know that you have a backup in Dennis Daly, somebody that's able to go on both the right guard left guard spot, uh, a swing guard in that case, he's definitely a good resource to have. He's also only played in his first game of the season so far, having been elevated off the injured reserve list. But I think that... You know, now the, the, the biggest part of it is because of that rotation. It's been the same five guys on that offensive line all season long. And in the NFL, that's what you hope for from an offensive line unit. You want them to be as healthy and as strong and as with as much chemistry as possible. To lose somebody on that offensive line and a Dennis Daly that hasn't practiced up until two weeks ago, that that's definitely a big component of this, especially because against the Rams, that left side of the offensive line really struggled.
0: So some things to keep an eye on between now and game day on Sunday. We'll get more into the matchup, but right now, as I mentioned earlier, I had a chance this week to speak with John Boyle, senior reporter for Seahawks.com. This conversation happened on Thursday, and we went big picture at the start. Asked just who are the Seahawks. Their record is 3-2. and two. They handed the Lions their first loss. Or is this a Seahawks team that we saw last week struggle against the Bengals?
2: You know, it's a little bit of both. I think the uh, the defense hopes that's what we saw against the Bengals because even though they lost that game, that was a really strong defensive performance. They basically got eight straight stops after giving up touchdowns on the first two drives, and you know, piggybacking off the game against the Giants, where they only allowed a field goal. Defense feels pretty good about where they're at. The offense, you know that that was a really good game against the Lions. Obviously, they scored 37 points. Um, They have not been quite as productive since. A lot of that's just been the the offensive line injuries have really been piling up and they've sort of managed to get through them up to this point, but it it felt like it caught up to them a little bit against a good Bengals defense last week where, you know, they were missing two starters on the line. Two more guys got hurt in that game and were playing through injuries. So it just kind of made their offense a mess. So, um, you know, this team overall, big picture, they feel really good about the direction they're going in going forward especially with the defense but yeah offensively they they need to clean things up a little bit from where they were last week especially in the red zone
0: all right you brought up the offensive line as we speak here on thursday the seahawks seahawks have all five starting offensive linemen show up on the injury reports again still got a couple of days before game day but how much is that line a concern moving forward
2: yeah, you know the the Seahawks is tend to err on the side of caution in terms of listing just about everybody if there's any minor concern. So guys all showing up on there is not necessarily a huge concern. I think they're they're likely going to have the one we don't really know about is Evan Brown's injury. That that wasn't one that we saw in the game. That's their starting center. Um, he played the whole game, and you know the injury report came out after we heard from Pete Carroll. So we'll have to wait and hear what the details on that are, but. They're hopeful to get both their starting guards back, um, Damien Lewis and Phil Haynes, but you know we'll have to wait and see what develops Friday and what we hear from Pete Carroll. Uh, and then the right tackle, Jay Curran, who's filling in for Abraham Lucas on injured reserve. Uh, he hurt his ankle in the game, so again, I think it'll just kind of be a wait and see how he gets through the week. Um, but the best news they've had is that Charles Cross, their starting left tackle, first-round pick last year, did make it back last week after missing three games and made it through that game. So I think his, his absence or uh, his being limited in practice I think is more just a little maintenance on that injury not a real concern about his availability.
0: Yeah, cross-dealing with an ankle injury. All right, let's stay on the offense because the Seahawks are scoring a lot of points, but a lot of the individual numbers, Geno Smith, Tyler Lockett, D.K. Metcalf, not great. At least they don't correlate to an offense that's scoring upwards of 25 points a game. So how have the Seattle Seahawks done it so far when you're not seeing the production of a Metcalf and a Lockett specifically after these first five games?
2: Yeah, you know, if anything, I think they would tell you that that speaks more to the sort of depth of weapons they have. They've been getting a lot of production out of their tight ends. You don't see, you know, it doesn't jump out at you. You know, if you're looking like fantasy football numbers, they don't have that one guy, you know, putting up the Travis Kelsey numbers. They've got three tight ends who on any given day will all, you know, do kind of equal damage. So between those three, they have a really productive tight end group. Um, you mentioned DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett not lighting up the stat sheets necessarily, but both have still been really solid and productive. And then Kenneth Walker, the third, their second year running back, and he's got six touchdowns. So he's been a big part of that offense as well. So I, I think it speaks a little bit to the balance of that group. Um, but again, I, I also think they don't really feel like they're really fully hitting on all cylinders quite yet. And they're they're hoping to start getting there soon.
0: Metcalf, 22 catches, 337 receiving yards, the fewest after five games since his rookie year in 2019, but the talk, at least the middle of the week with him, at least I saw several stories across Seattle, was the five penalties, but he doesn't believe it's a concern. How much is it a concern? Because five for a wide receiver seems a little high versus someone on the line of scrimmage.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, Pete Carroll brought this up that they want to get that cleaned up. They have, Pete Carroll mentioned they kind of have this board with everybody's penalties, and DK Metcalf is unfortunately way up there. So, um, you know, I think he's, you know, he's going to stick up for himself, and he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to stop playing with an edge. He wants to be a physical guy, but he also knows there is a line, and, and teams are watching out for it. Officials are watching out for it. So, that is something that the team is very cognizant of, and you know they're not trying to make too big a deal out of it. But they, they know it needs to get cleaned up, and you don't want to have a 15-yard a penalty every game. Those are drive killers.
0: Kenneth Walker, you mentioned him, yet to have a 100-yard rushing game. But uh, what I've seen is when he does touch the ball, almost a quarter of his carries results in a first down. Then you brought up the six touchdowns, which is tied for third most in the league. How much is he being utilized compared to maybe certain points a year ago as a rookie?
2: Yeah, I mean, he hasn't had that big game yet, as you mentioned. The, the word Pete Carroll keeps pointing to at the run game is consistency. They have stretches of games, you know, drives, couple drives where, They're running it really well like they like and then they, you know, they get away from a little bit. They get, you know, backed up behind the sticks and they can't run as well. So he's been, you know, he's been really good. I think he's playing, even though the numbers aren't there, I think he's playing better than last year in terms of the home run threat was always there last year. He could, you know, score from anywhere, but he wasn't necessarily as consistently hitting just the whole taking was there. And, you know, maybe it's a four or five yard gain versus going for the big play every time. And that's where you mentioned you know, a lot of those runs result in first downs. I think he's more decisive this year. So, you know, whenever it comes and he breaks a big one or two, I think that's where we're going to see the big game. Because he, you know, once he gets in the open field, he's about as good as anybody. But they just haven't quite got that game yet where they're just able to get him enough touches and just feel like he's really going. Um, and then, you know, another part of that, they're they're trying to involve Zach Charbonnet, who they drafted this year. He's a really good back, really nice complimentary piece to Walker because he's kind of the bigger, more more bruiser type. So, Maybe Walker won't necessarily have quite as much production just because they might be spreading it out, but they like that duo a lot.
0: Well, let's hope this is not the week that Walker gets going, (laughs) as we've seen in the past, because the Cardinals seem to be the team that offenses get right against but this little nugget though William Pigler, Cardinals assistant defensive line coach coached Walker at Michigan State so I don't know if that means anything or a little tricks of the trade or whatever but I know those two at least talking with coach Pigler, they have exchanged a couple of text messages earlier in the week about yeah get right after this week
2: <laughs> yeah I don't think the Seahawks will uh but they'd love to do it this week but uh yeah we'll, we'll see how it transpires but I, I know they're no matter who the opponent was, I think this offense feels like it's got a few little kinks to work out before it can get to where it really wants to be.
0: The one thing, though, Coach Jonathan Gannon did mention to the media here is the Seahawks don't turn the ball over. The only team yeah. without a fumble, though two of the three turnovers happened last week when Geno Smith was picked off twice. Was that just more of a bad day, and why so few giveaways?
2: Yeah, I mean, the the to the first, second part of the question, why so few, I mean, I think part of that just speaks to um, the emphasis Pete Carroll puts on it here. I mean, look, I know every team says they don't want to turn the ball over, but Pete Carroll just hammers that point home nonstop. I mean, the, the very first team meeting of training camp, their running backs coach gets up there and gives this big video presentation about ball security. It's always been a huge deal for Pete Carroll. He'll show stats on, you know, if you win the turnover battle, you win this percentage of games. And oh, I mean, it's, it's not a one-year thing. It's his entire tenure in Seattle. They've been, it's basically like them and the Patriots are way ahead of the league in turnover differential. So a lot of it's the emphasis. I think Geno Smith's just taken that to heart and he's been really good at it for the most part. Um, you know, they came into last week with one turnover, which is fewest in the NFL. They did have the two interceptions. You know, one was just I think Geno Smith tried to kind of force one in and the cornerback made a good play. The other one was some sort of confusion. Both players have tried to take the blame themselves, but there's a route where DK Metcalf broke a route off. It looked like Geo Smith was expecting him to break it inside. He threw it to where DK wasn't, and the cornerback got the ball. Again, both both guys are saying it was their fault, so we'll, we we may never know who really screwed up there, but it was definitely just a miscommunication more than bad you know, a bad throw or anything like that.
0: One thing that the Cardinals do have going for them this week is the expected, at least I'm expecting Buda Baker to be back defensively and maybe help. Shore things up on the back end. We'll get more of a read on Baker's availability as the week progresses. But it's Seattle week. It's Buda Baker's hometown team. I'm not expecting him to miss this game. Yeah. So, how much do you think that tilts things or what the Seahawks might do offensively?
2: Yeah, you know, I asked DK Metcalf about that on Wednesday actually, and you know, he spoke very highly of Buda Baker. They're they're always going to be sort of tied together because of that one famous play down in Arizona where DK tracked him down after that interception, but. The Seahawks have a ton of respect. They've seen plenty of Buda Baker over the years, and they know, you know, what kind of playmaker he is in all phases of the game. That he can, you know, be, be a run defender. He can blitz. He can make plays downfield in the passing game. So, um, obviously, he's he's a difference maker. And I think, you know, everyone's expecting if indeed he is back, it's going to make that defense a lot better.
0: All right, let's switch it up a little bit, talk about the Seahawks defense and the Cardinals offense as we speak with John Boyle, senior reporter, Seahawks.com here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Seahawks, much-improved run team from a year ago. Cardinals have run the ball well, even minus James Conner. Is this where you believe maybe the game is won or lost either way?
2: Absolutely. I mean, look, anything can happen and you can't just assume one thing is going to decide the game and then you know, you, you overemphasize one thing and a team beat you another way. But, yeah, I mean, the, the obvious one is that run defense of the Seahawks. They ranked 30th in the year in run defense last year, made a big deal this offseason to getting better there. They completely turned over their starting defensive line and they've gone from, you know, one of the worst run defenses last year to one of the best this season. Really, nobody's you know, I think you Daniel Jones scrambled a little bit for some yardage against the Giants, and otherwise nobody's really run on them. Opponents are averaging three point two yards of carry, lowest mark in the NFL. And and to me, what's really impressive about that also, they're doing that almost exclusively out of nickel and dime. They play almost no base defense with you know with the traditional three linebackers and like that. Like they've got Devin Witherspoon as that nickel pretty much every down. So they're really committed to stopping the run. They've done a good job of it, and I, I don't think. They probably have not seen a team yet that is committed to running the ball, just in terms of the numbers, as Arizona. So this will be this will be a good chance for them to really test out that run defense.
0: How much of that difference in the run game, the return of Jaron Reed, Bobby Wagner back after each were with a different team a year ago?
2: Yeah, both those guys have been big factors. I and mean, Pete Carroll cannot stop raving about Jaron Reed. they they signed Draymond Jones from Denver, who's kind of their big you know big money first day for agency guy, and he's played well, but. What you know from the from the onset of training camp, Pete kept bringing up Jaron Reed and, and the difference he would make in there. And I think it may be surprise people that he was the guy he kept pointing to because he's always been a really good player, but wasn't you know is, is a prominent of a free agent addition in terms of the money and, and just the the timing of the signing. So he's been fantastic. Bobby Wagner, I mean, look, he's he's a Hall of Fame middle linebacker. He's been you know both really good in terms of making plays. He, he leads the team in tackles, but also I think he just he gets guys right. I mean, he's seen so much football. He's going to know how to position guys, you know, the calls to make. So, yeah, both those guys I think have been a big difference in this
0: defense. And then last week, Jamal Adams made his season debut after 13 months. So, yeah, the Seahawks' defense very strong. All right, John, I've, I've waited this long because I'm not expecting Kyler Murray to play. It's too soon after that window was open for him to be on the practice field, but did it perk up some eyes and ears in Seattle about the prospects of number 1 this week, or is it just strictly Josh Dobbs?
2: Yeah, you know, I think they're probably going to be starting a lot of Josh Dobbs because that's what they have tape of, and with it being a new offense, like, you can, you know what Kyler Murray does, but he hasn't played in this offense yet to put it on tape, so I, I would guess they're assuming Dobbs is a guy, but, it, you know, every time we talk to Clint Hurt, the defensive coordinator, about, you know, whether it's... Saquon Barkley a couple weeks ago with the Giants or a situation where guys are like, they tend to always at least prepare for the possibility of the, the you know, number one guy being available, and then you adjust if he's not. So I'm sure they're at least looking at this offense and wondering, okay, how would it look with Kyler Murray? They've, they've obviously seen a lot of Kyler Murray, but again, not in this version of the offense. So I, I you know I don't think anybody's going to be totally shocked and caught off guard if you were to play, but I'm guessing they're going with the thought that Dobbs is the guy.
0: Yeah, certainly seems highly unlikely given that he'll have had three practices plus a walkthrough. I just think he needs a little bit more time. But that—that's me. I'm—I'm I'm, I'm, as much as I like to say I'm on the inside. I'm with that. I'm completely on the outside here with the Arizona Cardinals. John, always appreciate the time. Looking forward to the matchup on Sunday at 105. And again, it's—it's uh, it's always fun when the Cardinals and Seahawks match up.
2: Yep. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, safe travels up here.
0: By the way, the latest weather updates for Seattle, cloudy, high of 60, low of 50 on Sunday. So I think everyone that is traveling, I will not be up there. I think everyone is catching a break given what potentially could be happening in that part of the country.
1: It's funny seeing the people in the office look at the weather report because <laughs> they just know what Seattle could present. And to know that you know it's not going to be as bad as it's been in the past. Definitely is something – the Cardinals need any help that they could get right now against the Seahawks. That secondary has played really well for them out there. So if the weather is an assistance for the Cardinals, so be it. I'm good with that.
0: Good stuff from John Boyle. Again, Seahawks.com is where you can catch his stuff if you're looking for more on that aspect of this matchup, more on the Seattle side. But a couple of things that we discussed – in that conversation. I think one of the big keys this week is going to be the Cardinals run game and that Seahawks run defense because the Seahawks are very good stopping the run. They are top five in a lot of categories and even without James Conner a week ago, the Cardinals did get over 100 rushing yards which is kind of like the benchmark that you want to see. Now it happened in a loss but that trio of running backs between Keontae Ingram, Damian Williams, and Amari Di Mercado. That's kind of what we're going to see, I believe, until James returns. But it was what Damian Williams was able to do in his limited carries that I think really stood out, someone who just arrived yet really produced when his number was
1: called. Damian Williams is one of those players that I just did not have on my bingo card <laughs> as having an impact. And and like all jokes aside though, like after Amari Di Mercado had the type of game that he did, stepping in from James Conner against the Bengals, getting his first rushing touchdown all week long ahead of the Rams game, we were talking about the hometown kid coming back home and expecting for him to possibly get RB1 touches. We knew that in the depth chart, Keontae Ingram was slated above him, but we still expected Amari Di Mercado to have more than the handful of touches that he did have. But Dami Williams coming in, a, a former Super Bowl champion, a Super Bowl champion that has scored in the Super Bowl to to be on the practice squad, elevate him, and to have the performance he did, eight rushes, thirty six yards, averaging about four and a half per carry. He he jumped right into that spot. And for a for a team that has relied heavily on the rushing game, when you lose a guy like James Conner, he's irreplaceable. He's that he's a big back, he can run downhill, and he's done really well so far for the Cardinals. So Jamie Williams came into the spot right off the practice squad. 3 weeks ago was on his son's 9U sidelines coaching them over there. Was at his daughter's gymnastics practice he was telling me. And for him to go from that to 3 weeks later, 2 weeks later, Making uh, Having meaningful snaps and rushing for good yards against the Los Angeles Rams was definitely a good sight for the Cardinals.
0: You never know when that phone call is going to happen, mm-hmm. and that story on Damian Williams will be up on azcardinals.com if it's not already, depending on when you catch this episode of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, because you like those stories, guys. As Justin Pugh mentioned on Sunday night football off the couch, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're in the starting lineup. And for Pugh, you're on the active roster. We'll see what the Cardinals do at that running back position. Jonathan Gannon likes the rotation, likes the guys in there, and then the wild card and all of this is what Josh Dobbs has been able to do. Forty seven rushing yards at the Rams. In fact, he's got forty rushing yards in four of the past five games. I'm not too sure I like the fact that you have a quarterback leading your running backs as far as yards after a game, as Dobbs was and has been a couple of times this season. But most of his runs have been on scrambles, where it's third and long. You don't have anyone open. He did that twice against the Rams, and then all of a sudden he's got 14, 15, 24 yards on a scramble play, not a design run. If after
1: the Falcons game that the quarterback has the most amount of rushing yards... I think we'll both be happy because then we'll see Kyler Murray has no sense of fear of running out of the pocket. Until then, yes, I 100% agree with you. You never want your quarterback to be your leading rusher for as many weeks as Josh Dobbs has been. But it's that dual threat mobility, that through that dual threat ability to be able to get out of the pocket and make the most of yards uh, yards on the ground definitely is a huge assistance. It adds an element to the offense that's definitely important for Drew Petzing's system. And I think... Once Kyler Murray is healthy enough to come back, then that's where you're going to start to see and hope that the Cardinals are able to take advantage of the ability for a quarterback to get out of the pocket.
0: By the way, Dobbs, 189 rushing yards. That is second only to what James Conner has at 364. So, yeah, you think you need someone... Again, maybe it's a collection of guys. Don't forget about Rondale Moore. We've seen him line up in the backfield and not just the screen pass that's thrown behind the line of scrimmage that counts as a rush.
1: Yeah, but it's so interesting how... James Conner and Josh Dobbs have had so much success running the ball. But like anytime Keontae or Amari, like besides the one game against the Bengals, and obviously Damian Williams had a good performance, but the first few weeks it just seemed like the backup running backs, Keontae and Amari Di Mercado, were not able to get anything going. And I, I heard somebody in the locker room, I'm not sure who it was, said, like, do you just not like those guys? And like, they're just able to get to the backfield? I'm not sure what it is. But it's definitely something as these weeks go on and as James Conner remains
0: sidelined, your running backs definitely have to start picking up some ground. Seattle, fifth against the run, number one as far as yards per play, just 3.2. And don't forget, you got Jerron Reed, Bobby Wagner. They just welcome back Jamal Adams, some some familiar faces on that Seahawks defense. So something to keep an eye on on Sunday. And then when you look offensively, as far as what the Seahawks do and what the Cardinals defense can do, we touched on it earlier, and that is get a takeaway. Whether that's a fumble, which the Seahawks have not fumbled, they haven't even lost the football, let alone fumbled it. Mm-hmm. But it's the turnovers and making sure you affect Geno Smith in that pocket. He has been very good when you blitz him. Well, the Cardinals don't blitz a whole yep. heck of a lot, so you don't have to worry about that. Now you're just wondering about that back end. But to me, it's more of I think that Cardinal secondary, i.e. the cornerbacks, have taken enough hits to where it's all right. If you're those edge rushers, you're those six guys in that room, however many are active, maybe all six are, You need to start getting home on a couple of these. And what doesn't have to be a sack, but get some hits, get some knockdowns, get some hurries, get some pressures. You gotta make Geno
1: Smith feel your presence on the field. You can't just let him start looking downfield and albeit like not not looking at any of the edge rushers because they're not getting into the backfield. The Cardinals defense definitely has to make some noise around Geno Smith, start backing the offensive line into him, start closing in that pocket a little bit more, making the most of it in that case, but I, I found it very interesting. I remember a few weeks back, Josh Dobbs was talking about how the ball is like the organizational's hopes and dreams. That's, li- that's how the Seattle Seahawks have viewed it. They're tied for top of the league in, turn- in the fewest amount of turnovers so far. So to see just the type of performance that they've been able to put and how careful they've been with the ball, the Cardinals definitely have the ability to force Geno Smith to make mistakes. But a big part of
0: it, as you mentioned, Craig, is getting to that backfield and making sure Geno Smith knows you're there. And as we touched on with John Boyle earlier, the Seahawks offensive line, all five of their starters have shown up on the injury report this week, which Mm -hmm. to the Cardinals, Elijah Wilkinson, one name. And the Cardinals to date, knock on wood, haven't had an offensive lineman miss a game, a starter miss a game. But that Seahawks offensive line is banged up. Their starting center, Evan Brown, dealing with a hip issue. And then Phil Haynes, a calf. He's your starting right guard. Those are the two biggest as far as the most serious of the injuries to the potential. The Seahawks could be without two of their interior pieces, which also – hopefully helps the Cardinals get some
1: pressure. If you're able to take it, once again, the, this is the type of game that the Cardinals need to, to have that momentum. The past couple weeks, I know JG has said that the the vibes in the locker room, everything is still good, and that the the, the mission has not changed. They just want to improve, try to go 1-0 and each week. But to to have a win would definitely be huge for this locker room, in my opinion. The
0: first divisional win at that. Cardinals have lost three in a row. They are 1-5. and After this week, they will be home to the Baltimore Ravens. But first things first, and that is a W in Seattle. Again, the Cardinals, nine wins at Lumen Field since it opened in 2002. That is more than any other visiting team. And again, that spans different coaching staffs, different quarterbacks, different players. Can this group of Cardinals go up to Seattle? And again, we touched on the weather. It's going to be nice, a little cloudy, not much of a a bad weather situation. Can you go up there and string together not a first half, but a first and a second half?
1: Putting together those 60 minutes is definitely the the Cardinals' biggest downfall right now. The first 45 have even been great for a lot lot of the season. This is the type of game, I, I keep mentioning it, this is the type of game where you hope that things get to be turned around, because with the way that you have your two stars elevated to start practicing, they are designated to return, you want to give them some room so that they still potentially have something to fight for in this season, because I mean I know like when I know Josh Woods mentioned the flower analogy that Nick Rowlles stole from Nick Sirianni back in Philadelphia. The borrowed let's this' a stole it. he borrowed it. He, he, he said he stole okay. it Okay. But I mean he he did steal it. But he borrowed it, Craig Greelo. He borrowed it. Anyway, point being though, the Philadelphia Eagles, when that happened, were two and five when Nick Sirianni gave that reference. And they turned it around and they made the playoffs. Right now, the Cardinals still have a chance for that to still happen. To get to two and five, they gotta win this coming game against the Seattle Seahawks. Crazier things have happened in the NFL. It's, it's one of the most wild sports. And the way that these standings match up, I, I'm pretty sure we're under the common consensus that the 49ers are going to be your NFC West champions with the way everything is going. But to still fight, I, I know I might be crazy for even thinking about the type of playoffs that the Cardinals could potentially have. Maybe that's the optimist in me. I heard you talking with Danny last week about the optimist, the realist, the pessimist, and everything like that.
0: Maybe I'll jump myself into that optimist group but there still is a lot of hope in this locker room. You don't want to fall to 0-3, even though all three of those games are on the road within the division. It's not a good way to start if you're hoping to build out of this hole, climb out of this hole right now. Cardinals, again, 1-5. and 5. Kickoff on Sunday, 105, 8.30. Pre-game coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. And I'm going to be a good guy here and end this show here on a Friday because Zach's got work to do, and I would hate if you're late to first pitch for game 4. Come on. Larry Fitzgerald's throwing out the first That's pitch.
1: That's
0: true. So I'm, it's technically you a work know what event. You, could, you could get a credential and go down and speak to Larry. I'm I'm going to talk <laughs> <laughs> Just don't wear any Phillies gear and you'll be okay. I don't need the credential anymore. <laughs> All right, there we go. Well, enjoy yourself. Thank you. Just not too much. Nope. And hopefully a week from today, when we reconvene here on a football Friday, that you're not as smiling, as happy as you are right now? Jaw dropped. <laughs> that, that, you know what? Thank you. Challenge accepted. Motivation, right? Come
1: on, Rob Thompson. Come on.
0: (laughs) On that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Amohandro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Zach Gershman, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.